0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Roll for Persuasion, your weekly show where I chat with creatives and entertainers in the world of nerdy, whimsical fun about the nerdy, whimsical things that they love. And I have one of those awesome people with me here today, and I'll get to them in just a moment. But first, as always, the biggest of thanks to my fantastic sponsor, Hero Forge, Uh, just truly a fantastic company for a variety of reasons, least of which, not least of which, I should say, is that you can make fantastic miniatures on their site. I mean, truly whatever you can think of. Um, I was making miniatures just the other night. I'm probably not even going to buy them. It's just fun because it's that it's that much fun to hop on there Um, and imagine any character you want for your tabletop game and they're releasing new content all the time. Every Tuesday they drop some sort of new set of fun customizations. So go there, dig around, check it out. If you haven't been in a while, I guarantee there's something new there to catch your eye. They make uh, fantastic minis. If you want to print them at home, you can get the SDL file, print them at home. They'll print them for you. They'll print them in color. I mean, they the, the options are limitless and I'm a huge fan of theirs. So I appreciate their support of the show. So check them out. Heroforge.com follow them on socials at heroforge minis, wherever fine social media can be found. And now let's go ahead and jump right into it with this week's guest, who I'm very excited to chat with. It's been a long time with schedules and work and all sorts of stuff going on, but very excited to have her here today. Melly Doucette, what is going on?
1: Hello, hello. I mean, like you said, a lot of things. Schedules are very full, but it's all good kind of full, so very happy.
0: Yeah. Fun, exciting stuff. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Melly is the community manager for fandom tabletop, uh, owners of D and D beyond source of fantastic wikis that I visit daily as I'm trying to beat video <laughs> games and I can't remember which items do which, um, a great source for really any kind of nerdy pop culture stuff you want to check out. But specifically you are on the tabletop side. What is fandom tabletop?
1: Yeah. So fandom tabletop came about following, uh, fandoms acquisition of D and D beyond. And now they're looking at, you know, expanding beyond dnd beyond so they have purchased the cortex role-playing system cortex prime specifically uh, which it's been around for quite some time this is the latest edition of it uh being developed by cam banks a wonderful designer friend I, i'm sure we'll talk about him today uh but uh, that's kind of the first system that they're working on it's a system that can be used in lots of different ways and they're developing digital tools for it, just like with dnd beyond and you know Hopefully in the future, we'll see more and more stuff coming from that phantom tabletop side of things. Um, And I'm just really excited to be a part of that on the community side, because as we think we know very well, tabletop games really thrive on community.
0: You could even go so far as to say that as like one of the core um, strengths of tabletop games is uh, not just the community they're built on, but the communities they can build through those interactions. So, uh, yeah, you're kind of on the the forefront of that, um, if you will.
1: Definitely. How
0: did you get there? What is the path that you took the winding road to end up as the community manager for Fandom Tabletop?
1: Well, I I feel like I had a very interesting path. It was not very typical. Um, I was just a person who loves tabletop role-playing games, spends a lot of time on them, and I'm also the kind of person that does everything at like 110% because that's also who I am. And I was a member of D&D Beyond from day one. Uh, just got really into it, really excited by it, and I got more and more interested in it the more that I kind of saw the way that they ran things. Uh, Adam Bradford at the time, kind of the the CEO there, uh, and then uh, Lauren Urban, the community manager, when she came on, uh, they just treated the community in such a way that I hadn't really seen from a lot of companies uh, in kind of the space, especially in sort of a space that was like here's our tool that we're offering you and we're building now also these forums and discord and this community around these tools and I was just blown away by it all the time so I just I fell in love with it and I became sort of like just an advocate I was just like I love this thing my friends let's use this thing it's so great and then about a uh, early 2019 they were looking for new moderators and so some moderators reached out to me i converse with them in the past and they're like, hey, make sure you apply because we want you. I was like, cool, I will. I like to be liked. so I went ahead and applied, got in, and I was just a, a volunteer moderator for a time. Not long after that, uh, Lauren was doing, you know, sort of bit of a con circuit at that time. Oh, the days when we could have conventions. And she was like, hey, while while I'm doing this, would you mind just hopping in and sort of helping with replies on social media? Uh, you know, you're really good at interacting with with users and I feel like I can really trust you with this. And I said, yes, I love helping. I will do more help. Uh, and so I went ahead and did the help action, uh, did that for, you know, a weekend, two weekends. And then she's like, so do you want to come and, and do this with me more? I, and I was like, yes, what do you mean? And it became sort of a, a part-time contracting position and helping with social media, helping with community management with Lauren. Um, and then that led to last year, March, 2020, uh, Cortex was beginning to sort of balloon and become something bigger and bigger, and they were getting ready to launch the actual, uh, Cortex Prime game handbook. They had all these other things that were developing, these licenses they were going about to announce, so they were like, we need our community manager. Uh, you know, they asked Lauren for recommendations, and she was like, Millie, uh, and so they came and asked me, uh, Adam Bradford and Cam Banks, and I was like, yes, I actually had some early experiences with Cortex, and I had heard about Cortex Prime. I was really excited by it. So I just, it was an easy, yes, I would love to, uh, went on to community manage with them. And then when Lauren uh, got an amazing position over with Idol Champions, um, she again recommended, hey, if you just want somebody who knows how to do all the stuff that I do, ask Millie, uh, and everybody pretty much agreed, and they were like, Millie, do you want to community manage for both d and Beyond and Cortex and basically be the phantom tabletop community manager? And I was like, absolutely. Uh, And so not only was, was it just this great, you know, end to that path of getting here, but also the timing couldn't have been better. You know, this was sort of around the time when I, you know, I didn't have another job here where I was. I was just doing this community management stuff. And the cortex side doesn't have quite as many, you know, things going on. And the, the machine's getting worked up. So, uh, you know, being able to fill out my schedule a bit more and now, oh, it's very, very full <laughs> was really, really great um, and just was kind of the best timing. I feel very lucky at, at kind of the timing and how everything worked out. But yeah, a very st- pat- indirect path of just like, I will help. I'm very passionate about this. I love it. And I just kind of did it. And then people were like, could you do it more and as a job? And I was like, yes, I, I could do that. Uh, so that's how I got here.
0: Well, indirect, but very much like what you were talking about with community being a staple of tabletop gaming. And so many people that I've spoken with, uh, myself included, have come to their different positions or roles in the in the gaming and, and tabletop industry through community, through relationships, through, um, you know, more than just blasting resumes out, which still sometimes works. You should totally do that, but but very much uh, community is very, I think, near and dear to gamers' hearts. And uh, so it's great that you were able to follow that into your current very busy role.
1: Yes, yeah, no, it's amazing. And it, you're totally right. And it's something that we look for as well. I, I really look at the moderators that we have on the community team, um, and I, I look and I see, we must be doing something right with community because we have these amazing people and then they get hired on with the company in different positions. So there's other moderators that started at the same time as me that are now working like game content team and are doing these other things with d d Beyond and just shows like, you know, if you're really passionate and you really wanna do it, you can put yourself in those situations where suddenly like, hey, you are doing it. Welcome, you're, you're here. And that is a big thing on the Phantom tabletop side. And one of the reasons I like the Phantom family so much is Because they want people that are passionate. They want people who know the spaces that they're working in. Because, again, you know, we have all these wikis and all these things. And it's all about people who actually care about Mm, these fan spaces and communities. Uh, So it really is a a core part. That's why I just really, really love what I get to do.
0: Well, I'm sure we'll dive into Cortex specifically in just a minute because I am excited to hear about what's going on and um, what you've been involved in but you've talked about being in, into gaming and tabletop for a while now. And I'm curious, what is your, what's your first memory of like the moment you were like hooked? Do you recall like what it was where you were like, oh, I want to play this game.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I, uh, I had a very similar story to I think a lot of people that started uh, playing tabletop games in D&D kind of in the you know, 3.5 era, uh, which is, uh, I was asked to play a game because they needed a cleric. And they knew I was a nerd and loved imaginary worlds. I've always been an imaginary... I love writing and make-believe and, you know, I've had online role play forums where you, like, type stories together. Like, that was what I had before RPGs. Uh, and it was my sister and her boyfriend. Her boyfriend was gonna DM a game and they were like, we need a cleric. Back in those days, you did need a cleric in order to kind of balance your party. You don't have to do that as much anymore. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I will be your cleric. And they're like, cool, that's how you get to come play with us. Uh, they didn't tell me, though, I have to heal them. So I I played a character that was very much like, cool, if you do favors for me, if you do uh, things for me, I'll heal you. Otherwise, I'm not going to heal you. So um, just seeing that as this option of this world where, okay, cool, I can like bring... This love of creating worlds and people Mm, and interesting situations and uh, bring that into now something that I get to share with a group of people and tell something, a cool story where we actually have that much freedom to choose what we do and how we interact. It was like a video game, but even better because you can actually do anything. Uh, And I quickly fell in love with it. And after that game, it was very much like, I got to get all my friends into this. Which was really hard to do, um, you know, just trying to get people who had never really done any RPG stuff um, into trying it for the first time in a time when it wasn't really uh, as popular as it is now. It wasn't as easily accessible as it is now. Uh, it was definitely difficult, but eventually got there and got to try some other games. So that's my first brush with Cortex around that time was with Cortex Supernatural based on that CW show. Yeah. Uh, so I tried that. I tried a whole bunch of other games and it was always just like this is amazing. And I'm going to share this with everybody. Um, so that was really just first brush fell in love and have not left ever since.
0: Now that you work in the space, do you find that you still have time to play or try new games? Or, or are you kind of <laughs> too too busy, you know, managing literally the community uh, that these games have built to to get to enjoy it like you used to?
1: I definitely don't play quite as often as I did. When I was just doing the the part-time work with Lauren, it was like, that was my heyday of playing a lot. And also that was sort of pre-pandemic as well. Well, That was easier. But I was up to like seven games a week, which is unreasonable by really any other metric. Um, Some people would call
0: that a lot. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was definitely a lot. I am still, however, playing uh, pretty frequently. Thankfully, I'm very lucky that I get to to go on, uh, you know, a couple of stream shows and I get to GM or play on those, which is super duper fun. Um, but I also do get to play uh, in, not in person right now, but uh, with my friends still. Uh, just finished a campaign. I've never finished a long term cam- campaign before. Just finished one which is amazing, and I'm starting to try to plan out how can I get back to running, like, the four games that I was running before the pandemic once we start to kind of get back to things and we can get back around the table. So I'm going to try to see if I can fit my schedule around at least, like, two games a week, maybe?
0: I am in the middle of, of prepping to DM my first campaign since I uh, DM'd my original campaign which was when me and my friends played D&D for the first time ever like five years ago. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm like, I can barely get my head wrapped around running one game every couple of weeks, <sighs> let alone multiple games every single week. So, uh, you know, you are you are far and above any anything I could even attain, you know, hope to be.
1: Look, I, I, I can say that I have run multiple games in a week. Can't say that I did them well. I definitely think that running, you know, one game a week or one game every couple of weeks is a lot easier Mm. Um, Thankfully, I think because I've had to run so many things and also just like, you know, picking up and doing some stuff last minute because of the last minute switches of things or like... Uh, You know, especially things with uh, doing community stuff and trying to sort of bring cortex toward people because, again, it isn't the zeitgeist system that D&D is, where D&D is like, that's the game you think of when you hear, what's a tabletop role-playing game? Uh, D&D, okay, cool. They're like synonyms of just being like, hey, I'm just going to like run a game today and I don't even know what it's going to be. I'm just going to like kind of make it up and see sort of what people do. I think the more you just... Run stuff without being prepared. The more you prepare yourself to be unprepared, uh, and it's not always great. But if everybody has fun, I think that hey, we succeeded. We had a good time together.
0: There you go. I think that's the right attitude to have. Well, let's let's jump in. Explain to me. I know a bit. Um, I have not played in a Cortex system. I, I once bought the uh, the Firefly game, which I believe was a Cortex game, but didn't play it. So you know, that's kind of the closest I've gotten to. So what? Um, what is Cortex? What's Cortex Prime? And what kind of sets it apart in your mind from uh, other systems people might be more familiar with?
1: Yeah, so Cortex was originally designed by Margaret Weiss, um, who some people listening may know from, you know, Dragonlance fame.
0: Go check the previous episode where Margaret came on. You can go listen to it in your podcast feed.
1: Perfect. Uh, yes, you better know or else you better go back and listen because that sounds uh, delightful. Um, Yes, so... Uh, It has been around for quite some time, and there have been many versions of it. Um, The one people are probably most familiar with, except for the most recent one, would be Cortex Plus, which had uh, the Smallville role-playing game. It had Marvel Heroic role-playing. So there's some games there that you might not originally know, oh, that was Cortex, like Marvel Heroic. You might have heard of that and not know that that's Cortex. But it is, because Cortex is sort of a a multi-genre system where it has these really basic simple core rule set and you always use that core rule set and then you add on top of that a whole bunch of like mods that change how you put the game together. It's like somebody gives you a big box of Legos and you know they might have some like here's you know some designs you might want to try or you can just take that box of Legos and put them together in any incredible you know confabulation that you want. Um... And I love Cortex for that because I love just coming up with a lot of ideas. I love doing homebrew in d and D&D. I love just coming up with new campaign ideas. I love coming up with new mechanics. It's really, really fun. But also I just like seeing how different things can fit together to bring something to life. Uh, and Cortex is really great uh, at bringing things to life. You know, as I said before, Smallville and Supernatural and Marvel Heroic and you said Firefly um, and also Leverage. Uh, so lots of different types of stories and Cortex can kind of bring them all to life in a way that feels very honest to whatever it's based on or whatever your original mm. idea was. Because that core mechanic is very simple and applies to you know all of the, the mechanics that really come into the game apl- are applied with that. Um, and then you add on things that do more with it. So uh, we even have a, sh- a show that we did where we had just guests come on and build a Cortex Prime game. And they all came up with very different ideas and they left with like a a full game. So somebody did like a Bridgerton meets uh, the housewives of Orange County. And somebody did, uh, hey, this is kind of like roller coaster tycoon meets like the Expanse sort of ideas. So these just really interesting things that you can bring to life because you're saying, here's this basic idea, here's the mood and the feeling and how I sort of want it to play. And here are all the pieces in this book. That I can just pick and choose. I like this one. I like this one. I like that one, and get something that really does what you want it to do in the best possible way. Uh, so I love it for that. Uh, you know, we also have Tales of Zadia is going to be coming, which is the Dragon Prince RPG based on the Netflix show. So this is an official game. It has new official canonical lore that's going to be in it, um, and it's it really does feel like okay. We're we're when we're playing this game. We're kind of like sitting around the writer's room table for the Dragon Prince and writing an episode of the show. Mm, uh, yeah. And that's sort of the feeling I get out of Cortex. It's like, we can really, you see a scene in a movie, and it's like, you can really live that in Cortex. Which I feel like, you know, a lot of RPGs I love. Like, I love so many RPGs. But Cortex is the one that I really feel like, cool, we're, we're writing like a story. Like, we could turn this into a book, a movie, a TV show, and it will feel like very natural to how we're running it uh, because of that basis.
0: It really sounds like something that, um, you have to, you have to play to really get a good sense for like, like as you're talking, I'm like, that almost sounds too good to be true. But, um, but I've also, I've, I've met cam, I've played games with him and I'm like, if anyone could come up with a game that could do what you're describing, cam could do it. Um, yes. so that's pretty cool. One that he's on board as part of the, the tabletop team. Um, and just in general, there are some awesome people uh, involved, Dan Telfer and some other just really, really phenomenal talents working behind the scenes. Um, is there a, and you can tell me if, if you're not allowed to share, is there, is there a timeline for when like tales of Xadia is is expected to be available for people to play publicly?
1: Yeah. So it is, there's currently a, a free rules primer, which is like everything that you need to start playing the game, which is available free to everybody. And there's two free tales that Dan wrote and that also are like illustrated and everything They're free available to play with and 12 ready made characters that are like original characters for this game that are like approved by Wonderstorm and they helps make them and artists from the show help design them. Um, and you can just go and play that like immediately right now. Um, and then the full book itself, which is going to have like another uh, tale, which is going to be a full length tale. So these are kind of smaller ones. This is going to be like quite a, a large scale tale, which takes place at after the events uh, at the end of season three. So mm-hmm. it's basically going to be like this is the bridge between seasons three and four of the show, so that'll be in the book, and then there'll be, like, character creation rules and really, like, full uh, lore of the world and lots and lots of content for creating your own tales, creating your own characters, creating your own uh you know experiences in this world, growing characters beyond sort of where they start, and that is currently uh, projected for this year, 2021. Exciting. Uh, specifically just uh keep keep an eye out for the moment when we can shout out all the details. I will be at like the front of the procession uh waving my arms and being really really excited because I've I've been able to see as this book has been coming together and oh my gosh I'm I cannot wait for people to see it
0: your excitement is literally contagious so like like I who have has no time to play any additional games I'm like okay <laughs> so whenever this comes out could I fit this in yeah um, which is what I love about streams by the way that's my way to like make sure I actually show up and play a game I'm like well people expect me to be there uh, it's people are gonna be watching um, yes so fandom and uh, is is known now amongst players as the the owner of DD beyond um, which is a fantastic digital tool set for your DD games i use it frequently um is is cortex going to have a component like that where people will be able to like like have that same kind of um ease of use playing uh playing with their devices that we have with D? &D?
1: absolutely um so yeah currently there is a a uh, beta for digital toolset available on com. That's like anybody who's pre-ordered the book, whether you pre-ordered it physical or digital, like they get access to our toolset, which is going to get updated as we get towards the release. Uh, but right now it's like you can take one of those 12 Ready made characters, and you can now play with some digital tools. You can build dice pools, roll dice, uh, see how all of that works, move things around. Uh, and as that gets updated more, you know, we're going to be able to see uh, a narrator area. That's what uh, the GM is called in Tales okay. of Xavier games. They are narrators. Uh, there's going to be, uh, you know, ways for things to connect and talk to each other. So, hey, when I'm rolling dice, you know, these other players and the narrator can see it on their side. Um, So there's lots of pieces of that that are being worked on. And a big part of that, uh, it goes back to the design philosophy of Cortex, which is a modular design. Uh, The development team that's working on this, who are Incredible, by the way, uh, shout out to Annie, who is kind of the UX designer and has made incredible designs. And Risa Pearl and her entire team developing the digital tools themselves. I love them all. Um, they're developing it modularly. So like they they built the base Cortex engine and then they're treating everything in Tales of Zadia that is a mod to the original game as a mod to this digital tool that they're making so that once they have this, they will then be able to go, okay, uh, what do we got? We have Legends of Skull, the Masters of the Universe role-playing game. Okay, cool, we've got the base tool set, and now we just need, what are the mods for this game? Cool, we can use these ones. Oh, we already have this mod from Tales of Zadia. Great, that applies to this. Um, So really building the digital tool set in the same way that you can build a game using Cortex, uh, which will then hopefully make it really easy for us to then go, okay, there are three games in the Cortex Prime Game Handbook that you can just start playing with without having to build your own. Uh, Okay, we can do digital tools for that because we've got the base and now we have to do these mods. Uh, Cool, Uh, further down the road, there is a plan for something called the Cortex Creator Studio which is going to be, you know, hosted at cortexrpg.com and it's going to be a way for you to create and sell your own original uh Cortex games and you know you're mm. going to maintain rights to your original IP yeah. so usually just using these mechanics uh, and any, you know, Cortex mechanics basically go into a pot and you can use The new mods that we put into Tales of Zeta, you could use that in yours. Uh, These new mods we've got for Masters of the Universe, you can use that in yours. Um, And it's going to basically be this ecosystem where people can make these games Uh, Make some money and also, you know, then, hey, I'm new to Cortex. Let's look at this marketplace. Ooh, this uh, sci-fi one, that sounds like it's right up my alley. I can buy that and now I can play with this really cool thing that somebody created. Um, So we're really excited about that because Cortex is really a a creator-focused type of game.
0: It's interesting to hear you talk about it because as much as video games have very obviously taken inspiration from um, role-playing games, I mean, there's there is not a video game out there now that does not have an element. Madden NFL has deep-rooted uh, RPG elements to it as far as like progression and skills and whatnot, right? Um, so it's interesting to kind of see now what it sounds like with cortex kind of taking some prompts almost from from the video gaming community as far as like mods modularity being able to plug different things in because um, that was especially big and i it probably is still big but i remember you know gaming in the 90s and early 2000s you know going to download a new mod or or using the unreal engine w- which was running star wars which was running unreal tournament which was running and it was at the core somewhat the same but you were plugging different functionality in so it, that synergy is really interesting i'm excited to uh, to check it out and see how that works
1: Yeah, yeah, and it really shows sort of how Cam Banks has has looked at Cortex uh, as he's taken on this newest edition, because, you know, in previous editions, you had the games came out first, like the Leverage game came out, and the Supernatural game came out, and uh, these games came out, and then after that, they came out with a hacker's guide, which was like, here's how to build your own Cortex game. Whereas this is the opposite approach where we've got the Cortex Prime Game Handbook, which is how to create your game. And again, it has those three example settings that you can run out of the box, but it's not, hey, here's a book, you're good to go, start running a game. Yeah. It's very much we're starting from, you wanna build your own. Um, there's tons of games out there where you can go and you don't have to build your own. Uh, and you, can, you don't have to build your own in Cortex, you can definitely get one of the pre-made games. but. We, we know that the gaming community, I mean, you look at DM Guild, you look at Kickstarter even, and how many third-party products are on there, original products, indie games. We know that the TTRPG community is full of incredibly creative people um, that love building new worlds and new ideas and sharing that with the community in ways that lets everybody just have an even more fun and diverse gameplay experience. Um, And that's really an angle we want for Cortex. We want to invite anybody who wants to create games into this world and make it really easy and fun for them to do something that's not just like for them and for a small group of people, but can then be sort of discovered and shared uh, in a larger space and also in a way that can make them as a creator money, um, because we think creators should get paid for what they do.
0: Absolutely. It's a a fun thing to think about, too, like the mentality of designing a game system. So like a a game like D&D or Vampire or Cthulhu or whatever popular game um, you're into is uh, I don't want to say it's a closed system because there's room room to, to you know homebrew and build stuff but there is a difference between a somewhat static game system that that's kind of has its parameters built and then a game system that is built to allow people to build with it um, it, I, it reminds me of, uh, what we do a lot, um, at Dwarf and Forge, uh, who I work with because we make terrain for you to play with, but it's not just, it's kind of like Legos. Legos is an even better example. You can build the set that comes in the box. The right pieces are there. And if you follow the direction, you can do that. But it also is designed in a way to allow you to build something entirely new to completely branch off, to try something you haven't thought of before. And so approaching an actual game system, with that mindset of, okay, well, we want people to be able to play with this. You know, here, here are parameters and structures to let you do that. But if you wanna do more, the, these are all the building blocks you need to go off and build your own completely different thing. That, that's such a different mentality. Um, it's super interesting.
1: Yeah, and it really excites me because it's not even just like, hey, here are all the building blocks. I and mean, you get a whole bunch, but it's like, and you can make more building blocks. If, if you have an idea for a new building block, have at it. We've got, um, you know, uh, I run a, a bit of an event over on the Cortex Discord uh, where we, it's called the Cortex Creator Convab, and we just basically here's a, a theme or general idea. It's like game design jams. Make a Cortex game that is, you know, just not long, you know, a few pages long. And then you're going to get feedback from other people in the confab. Uh, you're going to get your game play tested. You're going to, you know, try this out. And just looking at what people have created, um, they ha- always have new ideas, exciting ideas. And so I'm just really excited for, hey, okay, here's, you know, and, and Cam also, you know, just writing Tales of Zadia, came up with a whole bunch of new mods that, again, are going to get put back into the pool for other people to use for their Cortex games uh, once that comes out of... This is, this is not even the, be- this is just your first set of blocks. You can get more blocks. So many blocks. You can make your own. Um, You can do anything. You can put together any configuration. You can create games that are like, this is built just for one shots because it is a very specific setup. Uh, this is... Very much like, this is the mini-series of a game, where it's a limited series, there's only five episodes and nothing more. Or you can have stuff where it's like, I want this game to be able to be played for years, and there's going to be all of this way to build and expand your characters. Um, and it really is just sort of like, there's there's no bottom to the iceberg of, of this. It's like, you can just keep going and find the things that you love about a game, and make it happen for yourself. Like what have you always wanted to see? Cool, do it. Uh come up with something really interesting and unique.
0: Throwback to our sponsor Hero Forge, who I was talking about at the beginning of the show, but similar to that, like uh, you know, the sky's the limit. You can you can combine and mix and match and build and explore and kind of play with what works, see what doesn't, you know, refine and adjust. And that's that's pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to uh to when the full thing is out and I can dive in and then, you know, have literally no time left in my life.
1: (laughs) Yes, I've definitely got into the idea of running like one shots and micro campaigns uh, more than like full length campaigns and even treating like my full length campaigns as having seasons like a TV show where it can be like, cool, we're going to run this season, which is going to be, you know, six sessions. And then we'll switch to something else because not only do I want to tell more stories, and I also want to play... I've got a big group of of people that I play with. You know, I've got, like, 30 to 40 people oh, uh, wow. around that I have to figure out how to group with all of them and play all these different games. Um, and I also want to play lots of different games. You know, I want to play... Every flavor of Cortex because there's no limit. And I've also made many of my own because that's who I am as a person. But I want to play tons of D&D and I want to play kids on bikes and I want to play. Uh, I want to play 10 candles a lot. <laughs> I want to play all of these different games uh, and lots of indie games. Uh, I'm a big fan of itch.io uh, and just finding interesting things on there. And I can do that better when I'm doing one shots and micro campaigns and switching it up all the time and keeping things fresh.
0: Yeah. Variety is a spice of life. Mm hmm. Speaking of variety, we'll take a quick break to give a shout out to uh, another fantastic sponsor on the show, Die Hard Dice. If you want variety in your dice collection, then you should go to dieharddice.com and check them out. Not only do they make amazing dice, they are amazing people who truly uh, just bring joy into any room they're in. Um, I love small business owners in the community because they're people who really care about what they're doing more than just simply having a business. And Todd and Jesse over at Die Hard are absolutely those people so go check them out dieharddice.com they've got super cool new stuff coming out all the time new designs new colorways um, new surprises that we can't really talk about yet so you just need to keep an eye out and see what they've got coming up and if you use the code roll persuasion at checkout you save an amount i believe it's 10 i should probably check that but uh, I, I at least 10 on your diehard dice order and you support the show a little bit which i appreciate and even if you don't, uh, you if you don't use a code, just tell them in the notes that you heard about them on this show. Because that's cool. Because then they send those notes to me, and I feel all happy and fuzzy that people like Dice and like listening to the show. So check them out, DiehardDice.com. Follow them on social media. They're fantastic. Um, support them as they support the community. So right before right before that break, you talked uh, very quickly about indie games, um, and and you are, are clearly someone who is passionate. And, you know, loves to dive in and try all these different things. So I'm curious, what are the indie games lately that are, are really kind of like uh, piquing your interest or that you, you know, took for, a, took for a spin and were super fun?
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, there is one that I... I haven't run it yet but I'm planning to run it uh, in the next few weeks and I'm going through my itch library to find it again. I buy lots of things that I'm like I will read this when I have time and then I don't for a long time and then I uh, you know finally do and I'm like great now I need to run this and then find a time on my schedule to run it as well. Um, so let me just pull up my library. It is a game where you play as like plants which is really exciting. It has all of these expansions to it. Like this one is your, mush- your all mushrooms, your funguses. Uh, this one, you're like all mosses. And it was just really exciting to me. And have it also has like um, a direct appeal because I have a friend that I love very much. And she loves games that are, you know, uh, less about any kind of combat or tactics and are very much more like esoteric and weird. And you can be a little bit goofy with it. And I, she's also uh, a, a very... Uh, she's a plant person you know she grows things so much she's working greenhouses she isn't now but um i was like i need to run this for her she would be delighted here we go uh so it, it they have sort of different names so they're again like all different editions so the first mm-hmm. one's called succulent sorcerers then there's petal paladins uh bonsai brawlers and mossy mechanics um and they're all like standalones or you can kind of expand one game with others and they have ideas for like what even is going to be your story like are you uh you know plants trying to fight against a pesticide or like are there insects or are you just trying to like get towards the sunlight in the room um so there's lots of different ways that you can play it and they're very very cute um so i really like that um also a lonely haunt is one that is a two-player game that. You unfortunately, I haven't been able to play it yet because of the pandemic. I do live alone, um but it's about environmental manipulation. So you don't talk during it. You are moving things around the table and the game space that you've created to try to communicate ideas with the other player, mm. which is so interesting and unique and inventive. And so I cannot wait once this pandemic is over to immediately play that. I'm hoping that maybe things are better by october so that can kind of be like my halloween game for this year Uh, and i played ten candles most halloweens Uh, that's always one that i will always recommend it's my favorite game i i will play it anytime anywhere somebody will say ten candles and i will be like yes i'm listening you i think you called my name um so I, i really love that game
0: Then tell me more about it, because I know the name, but uh, you mentioned Halloween, and the the name sounds fantastic. So what is Ten Candles?
1: Ten Candles is this incredible game where uh, you play pretty much in the dark. You have ten tea candles that are set out, which is where it gets its name. And the idea is that there is something that has happened in the world that has made the sun basically go out, uh, and you're telling the story of a group of people uh, or sometimes animals, depending on what kind of story you want to do with it. Uh, as they try to, you know, sort of just understand this tragedy and live the final moments of of their lives, uh, you know, whether they're trying to fight against something, uh, because this, there's this idea that, hey, you know, however many days ago the sun went out, and then however many days ago they came, and we don't know what they is, it could be anything. Uh, and the game kind of develops as you start with these ten candles lit, and when a scene ends, you blow out a candle. And the room gets darker and darker because you're playing in the darkness and you're blowing out candles. Uh, and players have a limited number of traits and and drives and these things on index cards. And when they use them, when they, they say, cool, I'm going to use this uh, flaw that I have to get a bonus on this roll, they have to burn it. Like literally burn that sheet of paper mm. because they no longer have the ability to use that to their benefit anymore. Um And so you're you're just kind of burning all these resources that you have, literally, the lights are going out. But when you burn something, you get this little spark of extra light. So it really communicates this idea of maybe there's something here. Um, But at the very end of the day, um, also I should say that it plays with this pool of dice. It's kind of uh, switches between players and the GM. So as the game continues and the candles go out, the GM gets more dice. And earlier in the game, the players have more dice and they have a say in the narrative. So they can really decide sort of What is this world and these threats? And then as the game continues, the GM gets more and more say. And at the end of the game, when the final candle goes out, every player will be dead. And it is a game where you really have to have that buy-in of like, this is serious, like we're playing a serious game with this. We are kind of exploring sort of emotions and and fear and all these interesting things. And when I played it the first time and we blew out that last candle and I I finished kind of the narration of my GMing at the end, it was, like, silent for a good five minutes, and we just all, like, like, wow, we just had an experience together. We sat in the mm. dark and couldn't speak. Like, I cried a little bit. Another one of the players cried a bit. We were just like, wow, that was an experience, and I, I would recommend everybody, especially as you're able to play in person again, and you can really make a dark room and get that atmosphere give it a try. It is, it's really cheap and you really, you just need candles and uh, six-sided dice and you're like, ready to go. It's a delightful, delightful experience.
0: Oh, I am in. the sounds... Oh, yes, do it. The sounds so good.
1: Yes, and also I like because there's very little prep, because you sort of set up the situation, but the players really get to decide what happens at the beginning, because they have narrative control, uh, until you start getting more dice to roll better than them. Uh, and so... I didn't really have a plan for what they were. I just sort of dropped in hints. The players dropped in some hints and then eventually I had to actually say and it ended up being that the trees and plants were coming to life to take back the planet. Uh, So there were trees that moved when you didn't look at them and there were, you know, vines that would grab your car and like pull it into the forest and it became very terrifying to like, oh, the only place with lights? It's a farmhouse, and you have to cross a cornfield to get there. Yeah. Um, so it was very fun and very spooky. So, And it could be, it could be monsters, but I was like, plants. Yeah. I, I love evil plants and good plants.
0: Well, I found, I found my evening deep dive when I can't sleep, and I just go watch actual plays yeah. on YouTube. I'm going to find some, some good ones of this, because that sounds awesome.
1: Yes, so good.
0: Well, I think we're I think we're coming up against it. Was there anything else you wanted to uh, to talk about before we before we wrap up the show?
1: Um, I mean, I would just say anybody who's listened to this and thinks that you know Cortex or Tales of Zadia or any of these other little games that I mentioned sound interesting, and you're the kind of person that you're like, I don't know about bringing a new game to my players, or you know, I'm a player and I don't really know about bringing a new game to people. Just hey. Just give things a try. Uh, I think just kind of positing stuff is like, hey, let's just like try something fun and new. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to run a perfect game where like, we've followed all the rules perfectly and this is how it's supposed to be done. I think as long as everybody in your group uh, is willing to buy in and and give something a try, uh, understand that, hey, sometimes you're gonna be like, oh, I don't know how this thing's supposed to work. We're just gonna do this sort of thing. Uh, Just have fun. as long as your group and table are having a blast, do it. I played recently a game. A friend of mine ran. We didn't have any system. She just said, bring some dice. We're going to tell a story. And she would just tell us sometimes, yeah, roll uh, roll that D10 that you brought. That's what's going to decide things. You don't even need a system. Uh, the systems add a lot. But you can play anything you want. Just do it. Have fun.
0: You can play anything you want. Do it and have fun. Yeah. I love it. And we'll drop links to uh, to the Cortex site and tales of xadia in the show notes to so be sure to check that out Melly, uh is there anywhere online people can follow you if they want to keep up with you and what you've go- got going on
1: yeah you can follow me on twitter at meli uh as well you can find me on the cortex discord and the D beyond discord as well uh those are kind of like those are my realms join me there i'd love to see you
0: and indeed you absolutely should uh, because she's a delight to follow and interact with and thank you for being on the show. Um, I do believe though now is a good time to give a shout out to my Patreon supporters and if you support the show patreon.com slash roll for persuasion then you can be a supporter as well you get access to the zone of truth segment which we are about to do here in a moment where uh, I chat with my guests for a little bonus time about whatever I don't know we make it up as we go along it's my favorite part of the episodes because it is a just completely uh, a free flow. So, uh, Melly, any ideas about what you might want to chat about today in the zone of truth?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I am going to talk about uh I kind of want to talk about ADHD. Is that weird?
0: We can nerd out on ADHD, okay, swap let's... experiences and what medications we've tried and <laughs> <laughs> or or not, you know.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to talk about that. So let's do that.
0: I would love to talk about that. Um, I, I've, I've been living with ADHD for a long time. So always happy to, to hear others' experiences and just chat about it. So love that's it. what we will do in the zone of truth here in just a moment. And again, if you want to get access to that and all prior episodes in the special patron only feed, go to patreon.com slash roll for persuasion. Five bucks a month. You help out the show. You get some cool content. And, uh, I think actually coming up, I haven't announced this yet, but we're going to be doing the two year anniversary of of role for persuasion last year on the big anniversary stream. All of my guests from the first year of the show were invited to come on for the world's most massive zoom call. And, uh, it's only gotten bigger this time, but if you are a patron, you will be invited to that call as well. And last time was great. We had Ed Greenwood, Adam Bradford, uh, who else came on? Jenny came on for a bit. Um, Anjali Bamani hopped on. Uh, just all the cool people might show up. So that's another perk too, whenever we get around to planning that. That should be coming up here in the next couple months or two. So that's another perk you get at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion. But I want to give a shout out again to Melly. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. I'm looking forward to chatting with you for a few more minutes. And of course, to listeners, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you follow on social media at roll persuasion on Twitter at Roll Persuasion on Instagram, but nothing really happens there. So I'll leave that one up to you. And if you just want to see what else the show has going on or what I'm up to, you can go to RollPersuasion.com. But until next time, guys, enjoy your games.